This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are having a good day. Have some nice plans for this Sunday. Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program after our 8 o'clock update. Ed Randall's Talking Baseball follows our 9 o'clock update on the fan this Sunday morning. And as I mentioned earlier in this program... Both hours of our show today, dedicated in a way to some of the discussion, some of the aftermath of that horrific shooting that took place at the school in South Florida a little over a week ago. Seems like everybody is talking about this uh, topic. And I want to bring a couple of guests on our program to share some information. I'm pleased in this hour of our program to be bringing into the discussion. Emily Slingluff. Uh, Emily is um, the author of a couple of publications we're going to talk about in the course of our discussion. We're going to get her perspective on this idea of um, mass shootings uh, as well in uh, this discussion, uh, too. And a little later in the hour, what I'll try to do is to work in some thoughts from some of the folks who are listening to us, because I know a lot of people feel very passionately about uh, this topic, and we haven't had the opportunity uh, thus far to really get into serious discussion uh, on this topic uh, on this particular program. Emily, first of all, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning to you, Bob. Oh, Glad to be here. I love it. She's good and fired up. It sounds wide, yes. wide awake this morning. I, I love when that sort of thing happens. <laughs> All right. I got to go through a couple of things with you in terms of uh, background. Um, the first one is to naturally ask your, um, I guess, reaction, if I can phrase it that way, to the news that came from Parkland, um, Florida, from this school shooting a little over a week ago. When you heard the news, what went through your head? Oh, that's a good question. What went through my head was, as the newscasters were saying, we do not yet know the cause of this shooting. Mm -hmm. What I was thinking was, oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And, you know, Bob, I've been thinking about this, this um, program this morning, and I think I can say it in, in three points so that people listening will really, really understand, and, and I think will really like what they hear today. One, two, three. And one is, why do people want to commit mass murders? And that's what I was thinking when the newscasters say they did not know. But if we think we know why some people want to commit mass murders, can I say it right away or should I wait? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I can say it. All right. I hope everybody will think about it. This is the cause of the Florida shootings. And I'm also going to come up with a solution. How about that? Why do some people want to commit mass murders? Because they are unhappy. Now, don't turn off your radio. Don't think that's a silly word. A famous psychiatrist said, the goal of psychiatrists in treating patients of any age is happiness. 
And when we think about that, we realize, yes, happiness is mental healthiness. So it's really a huge word. Happy is important. All right? You know, somebody may have to help me up from the floor, Emily, because I think I joined the people who are listening to this program this morning and being in a state of shock <laughs> hearing you say that because they're unhappy. Yes. All right. You think it's a silly how some people think. I didn't say silly. I'm just, I'm, I'm shocked. First, yes. of all, first of all, what you're saying to some people will seem silly. Some people will discount it immediately. The way right. it strikes me is I'm thinking, wait a minute. This sounds so simple as mm-hmm. opposed to all this discussion that we've had, mm-hmm. all these many, you know, the town halls, all, all, all this, this publicity that's been going on that's gone and delved into all these different kinds of issues and the like. Here you're talking about something that's really simple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And think about it. Happy people usually do not want to hurt other people. People who are happy are generally kind to other people. So having people who are happy is an extremely important thing for us to do. Um, and... Um, why are some people unhappy is my second point. If I've got three points, the third one can go on and on. But one is why do some people want to commit mass murders? And I think clearly it's because they're unhappy. Now, unhappy means, as we all know, it means not feeling happy with life itself. It doesn't mean not having had a bunch of Hershey bars or a new iPhone. It Happiness is is being content with one's own life and therefore with life itself. And people who are happy are kind, which is what we want. All right? I mean, insecurity is another word that can be said for unhappiness. We we hear people talk about a child who's grown up and seems insecure. Mm -hmm. He's unhappy. He's confused. All right. So why? Number two, number one, mm-hmm. they're unhappy. And I, I imagine you, you're right, Bob. I think plenty of people are thinking, oh, my gosh, that's too simple. But a lot of people, after two or three seconds or 10 or 20 seconds, are thinking, no, maybe that's not too simple. Maybe that's it. All right, why are some people unhappy? Mm-hmm. And I will say it's not genes. For years, I've been delving with this topic for a long time. For years, people said, oh, it's just genes, it's just genes. Some people are one way and some people are another way. But as some of you listening may know, new scientific research has proved that if there is abuse to a young child, either physical or emotional abuse, genes can be changed. So... Number two point, I will say, number one is why do some people want to commit mass murders? They're unhappy. Number two, why are some people unhappy? Well, it goes back to the formative years. They're called formative years because they are formative. And at that time, the main influence is the parent. Sometimes it's indirectly. The parent might choose somebody else. Sometimes it's direct. But the parent is the main influence can make a difference in whether that little baby and then toddler and then teenager and adult is a happy person or not, mm-hmm. is happy with life, all right? 
And then I have a third point. What can parents do? Are we ready to get into that? Yes, let's go for it. All right. Um, all right, we, we're aware that happiness is mental healthiness. I think what the psychiatrist said, that the goal of psychiatrists treating patients of any age is happiness. That means mental healthiness. If somebody is disturbed, whether they are teenager or older, it means that they're unhappy. It's a word I keep saying, but the more I've realized it, the more I realize it. Um, so what a parent can do, and this is simple too, the parent can be kind, not mean. I did not dare say that word mean for years because I think it's a word we're not supposed to use much. It's kind of a rough word. But it's sort of true, and I think it's making it clear for parents. More and more people who are writing and speaking about parenting are, thank goodness, beginning to realize more and more that a parent does not need to be mean to a child. A parent does not need to say, why? Because I said so, that's why, and don't ask me again or you'll be punished. That's a mean way to handle a question. The kind way is to answer, to talk, and to listen to what the child might say, to communicate. Communicate is talking and listening. And if a parent does that, I have several little things I wrote down, three points to give you further, but but that's it in a nutshell. And I think so many parents are happy to hear that. Some have not even realized that as a parent, the parent can be kind to the child all the time. There's never any reason not to be kind. Um, okay, since you're letting me talk here, I'm going to say two or three things. All right, I'll say three. All right. First of all, no reason to ever, ever complain about a child. It's heartbreaking to me to hear a parent complain about a child. The parent asked for the child. If the parent doesn't want the child, there are people who would like to adopt it. But the parent can't expect to have a baby come into the world who is an adult that knows everything. Um, the baby comes into the world ready to learn what the parent teaches. Um, and if the parent complains when the little baby happens to be a toddler or a teenager, then the parent is complaining about her own way of treating that child. Because by the time the, toddler's a, the child is a toddler or a teenager, um, things are happening. The child's being formed, <laughs> the formative years or the early, early years. So I think never complaining about a child is a huge thing to remember. Um, it, it sets up an attitude that's harmful to the child. The child knows it. There's no reason to complain about a child. Um, <clears throat> I think answering the baby is important, answering the cries from the crib. I was on a show some time ago and uh, said that, and uh, it's a long story. You don't have time to hear, but I heard the... Um, <clears throat> Um, tape that they gave me the link to the show later, mm -hmm. and by mistake, I think they'd left it on after what I had been saying, so I heard the producer and the host talking to each other, and the host said to the producer, well, what do you think of that? And the host said, I mean, the producer said, um, gosh, the, the, the talk about the baby in the crib really got me, and they put, <laughs> I think it was on Twitter, um, these words are mass murderers formed in the crib. 
And I was on a number of shows with that. And all mass murderers formed. And sometimes, yes. Just, sometimes just answering the baby's cry gives the baby a sense of security. Just posing that question, first of all, has some people's heads spinning, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, secondly, probably will elicit some interesting response from some of the folks listening to us who may be chomping at the bit to join in this discussion. <laughs> and in some cases may um, spark the ire of some of the folks who are listening because, frankly, with some of the things you've said, you may well have hit some very sore points, shall we say. We're going to take a pause in our discussion with you. Um, Emily Slingluff is talking with us on our program on the fan. We've really just begun this discussion. We'll get into talking about your books, too, in the course of our chat. I just want to mention the fact that during the course of this hour, you want to join us in the discussion. You're on point with this. 877-337-6666 is our phone number. You're at the fan. It's Sunday morning on The Fan, and Rick Wolf Sports Edge follows our 8 o'clock update this Sunday morning. Ed Randall's talking baseball is long after our 9 o'clock update on The Fan. We have a lively guest who has joined us this hour of our program. We love when that happens. Emily Slingluff is talking with us on our program. Uh, she is an author, and she's got some very strong views that she is expressing on this topic of uh, mass shootings. She gave us some points Right at the start of our discussion, I expect some of the folks listening to us will want to join in the discussion as well. WFAN's toll-free line, 877-337-6666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Emily, let's start with folks on the phone. As I told you, I had a feeling that we'd strike a chord with some of the folks listening to us. Uh, right. Well, go. let me ask you one thing. Is sure. my voice coming through too long? I meant uh, too strong. I meant to ask you no, that. No, no, you sound fine. You sound All right. fine. I can turn it and down. All we, right. we do appreciate that, definitely. All right. Let's see. First up is uh, Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, welcome to the fan. Thank you Thank for Thank you so much uh, for allowing me to uh, share some things. I'm a sociology graduate, and one of the things we look at is studying man in his environment. And the situation could go all different types of ways. One of the biggest things that you happen to have in school with kids is bullying. Uh, sometimes kids will say or make fun of things about a, a child, and they have a way of actually moving the information very fast by tweeting or putting information in a cell phone. The other thing is sometimes a kid may have problems with the teachers, and I think in this case, um, the child was removed from the school, and that could have been some other impacts. And that's all I have to say, and uh, have a nice day. Okay, I'm going to let Emily respond to what you have to say if she wants to. Emily? Oh, gosh, yes, I do want to. I was going to bring up bullying because, and th this is shocking, the show is altogether shocking maybe to some people, but I hope it will be, and believe it will be, accepted because it is common sense. Um, I mean, I've studied this for a long time, but it's also common sense. Um, but the bullying, I'm so glad you brought it up, Vernon. If a person is unhappy, a little baby, a toddler, 
unhappy meaning, um, insecure, um, confused, that person is likely to be a little bully in first grade. The person who is not confused, who feels loved, who feels secure, who is happy with himself, with life, that person is probably going to be nice to his other little six-year-old friends. So as crazy, and it doesn't know well, I shouldn't use the word crazy, but as shocking as it sounds, a person who is unhappy as a very young child might be a bully, might be a mass murderer. Wow, right? That's an awful lot to digest. That's a lot. All right, well, let me get to something simple. The the children who might have problems with the teacher. And Vernon, I understand, of course, him saying that. Now, again, if a person, a child, is secure, is happy, that child is more likely to get along with the teacher. People who are, I'm overdoing the word happy, but maybe not overdoing it. Maybe it's just enormous, enormous word. Um, those, those people get along with people better than do people who are unhappy, who have their own problems, their confusion. And, and I think mo- most anybody listening will agree with that. You know, I'm looking at my notes based on what you said with those three points earlier in our discussion and thinking, yes, they're simple. They should be easy for folks who are listening to us to digest. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then why is it that more people don't get it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. I, I do not... Uh, a blame, that's a terrible word, I do not blame parents who are unkind to their children, who are mean to their children. I do not. I remember the, the football player who switched his child, and there was so much talk about it, he wasn't allowed to play with the Minnesota Vikings because he had switched his child. And I sent him a copy of a book I wrote. I found out truly how to get in touch with him, and a letter. And people who knew me said, wow, I bet you sent a humding a letter to him. And I sent I said, I sent a nice letter to him. I told him that I understood. The reason, to answer you and him, is this is what some people teach. This is what some people who talk about parenting suggest as the best way to parent. They say, make the child do this, make the child do this, make the child respect the parent. Um, and, and punish the child if the child doesn't do what you say because that's discipline. Well, there's a totally different philosophy, and more and more people in the field of parenting are accepting it, thank goodness. And that is the opposite of what I just said. The, um, the word discipline is used so much. And, you know, to discipline, I just looked it up. I have it right in front of me. I looked it up before the show started. And I know what my old wonderful dictionary says, to teach, to discipline means to teach. I looked it up right here on Google. The word discipline means to teach. Positive approaches to discipline work because you're teaching your child how you want her or him to behave. When children learn, they're building new connections in their brains. Children learn best through relationships that make them feel safe, secure, and nurtured. Isn't that beautiful? That says it, doesn't it? 
It says it says it very simply when you stop and think about it, too. You know, is part of the problem or issue, I guess, that we almost try to make parenting too complex? Yes. Yes. I mean, one of the big issues or bones of contention for years has been, and we've talked about this before on this program, has been this idea that, you know, you go through all those many years in school. And um, at times you learn things that are are wonderful, um, get exposed to many different things. But a lot of the time you're learning stuff that you can't use in the real world or will not use in the real world. One of the things that there's not real classes in, and maybe there should be, and maybe Mm -hmm. this would be part of the answer to this whole problem here, Mm -hmm. is some actual classes in parenting. Yes. Yes. I mean, some uh, schools think they're teaching the jobs that are necessary. Mm. Well, when you think about it, maybe the most important job of all is the job of parenting. The world can be no better than the people in it. Right. Right? And how can we make people better? Send everybody to psychiatrists when they're 40 years old or 30 or 20 even? <laughs> Mm-mm. It's, uh, who was it, the uh, social reformer, what was his name? Frederick Douglass said many years ago, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. That's a powerful statement when you stop mm-hmm. and think about it and think mm-hmm. about what he was really saying there, too. Mm-hmm. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. Let's go back to the phone. We'll go to uh, Rob, who's calling us from Lake Success. Rob, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning, Bob. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, as far as parenting, uh, that's just basically being a teacher. I have one child and almost in college at this point, and uh, um, I have found raising my my daughter up until this point has been very simple I, I, because you just you just op- have an open open mind and listen and you know and let let, let my daughter express her, her own opinions and thoughts but that's not my why I wanted to call hang, hang on for a up. second yes you just said something though that's actually very important I want to follow up on this is you said you very key part of this is listening mm-hmm. and at, at times I wonder if parents don't get so involved in this idea of telling, in some cases maybe even dictating, mm-hmm. that they're not doing that listening, you know? Um, so that's a very key point, and I'm glad that you said that. All right, anyway, I'm sorry. Here's what I, what I wanted to bring up, because we're talking about this topic, which I've never even really, I mean, obviously we're thinking about it, and it's unfortunately it's coming up quite often over the last number of years. But when you said unhappy, um, ma'am, Emily, uh, this this is very confusing to me, and I'll, and I'll tell you what I think of. Um, and I told the producer when I thought of unhappy, I think of someone who's so distraught in life, they might take their own life, they might be so miserable, and 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 that they're they can't cope in the world that they basically hit rock bottom, and if they can't find a solution, which they'll just take their own life. But when I think of a mass murderer. I don't use that word, and I get it to some extent, but there's got to be some chemical imbalances in, that are going on there that, that, that are causing mental illness, because to go out and, and, and take other people's lives, okay, like a Charles Manson, as, as 
you know, I could think of. This guy just wasn't an unhappy guy. He created a gang. He went out and went after other, you know, and, and committed mass murder. And I think that there's so much more involved. You made it come across so simple, and I get it to one point. But what about my, my, my question to you is the mental illness aspect, the people who are, are really have really deep-rooted illnesses that are causing them to snap and go out and take other people's lives. Um, so that's really what I wanted to come across and, and, and try to clarify the difference between someone unhappy versus true mental illness where there could be chemical imbalances causing someone to have the the audacity to go out and do these type of uh, uh, things that they do. Thank you for for your time, Bob, as usual. Thank you. Thank oh. you for your call this morning, Rob. All right. Do I get to comment? You can find he will be listening on air. Go right ahead. Rob, yes, you 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 um, you ask normal and and make normal good comments, of course. Um, listening, I, I agree with you, Bob. I was so glad when he said that. That's huge. That's part of communication, of course. I mean, instead of punishing. A parent can communicate, which means talking and listening. I will tell you, and I want to answer specifically to best I can what you said, but um, I wrote a little book when my children were little, which is weird that I did this. I didn't tell a soul but my parents, who I'm so close to, and my husband, of course, and my two children. My two children knew every word in the book, and we would talk about it. They would, One would say to the other, oh, Craig, you remember Chapter 2, and then quote some sentence, and we would laugh. We would discuss it. We we would talk about parenting. You know, why not? It, it's fun. Parenting is, is not a problem. It's a pleasure. And we know what we're trying to achieve here. Um, so, yes, um, <laughs> listening is huge. Um, about happy and being complex. Um, <clears throat> oh, and about the mental, mental health issue said. Well, what... The psychiatrist said that has made so much difference to me when I, I used the word happy in my first little book, and I had not talked to anybody in detail about it. I was asked by school to write, you don't need to hear all of this. But when I saw this famous psychiatrist, I asked him what he thought about the word happy. And he said the goal of psychiatrists in treating patients of any age is happiness. Now, he could have said is mental healthiness. Um, it's interchangeable. But you mentioned the chemical imbalance, and <clears throat> I'm thinking of this new scientific research that genes can be changed if a parent hurts a little tiny child, a newborn, a little new baby, a, even a, probably a young toddler, uh, if it hurts that child emotionally or, or physically. Um, I mean, we know now all about the huge harms of, of spanking, of hitting. Um, I have a whole book on it uh, from quotes of about 100 different people. But um, I think also we, we must remember that there are exceptions in life to everything. Okay. We're going to follow up on talking a little bit about your books, and I want to follow up on a couple of things that you've said. We take a pause in our discussion. We're talking with Emily Slingluff on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. Ed Randall will be by with that smile. He'll be talking baseball after our 9 o'clock update on The Fan on uh, this and every Sunday morning this time of the year. We are in a discussion with Emily Slingluff on our program. Uh, you want 
to join us in discussion, 877-337-6666. Emily has uh, joined us uh, talking with us about a number of issues uh, here in the aftermath of the horrible uh, shooting uh, that took place at a school in Parkland, uh, Florida, a little over a week ago. I've mentioned a couple of different times as well that you are an author, uh, Emily. Let's talk a little bit about your books uh, as well. No, I want to. I also want to say some more things to Rob because he brought up some interesting uh, points there. And um, my, my three books are all um, about parenting, and they're all short and, and truly really good. Um, really good. I, um, I think anybody will be helped. And they're all on Amazon, and they're on Kindle, if you prefer Kindle to the book. All right. The um, books are titled Peace, Parenting Without Punishment, and A Present to the Newborn. Right. Interesting titles for uh, books. Um, why don't you finish what you were going to say to Rob? All right. Um, about being, um, and I, I understand you've studied all of this, the, um, that it perhaps is a chemical imbalance that makes somebody turn into a mass murder, makes somebody very, very unhappy. Um, what I what I would say well first before that you see it can be deep rooted I think both of those you're thinking sort of interchangeable in a way um, deep rooted yes 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 I think from the moment the baby comes out of the woman's body the parent needs to start being kind so de- deep rooted yes the very beginning matters um, about. Um, it being something that the child was born with, I'd say what I do is think of two child, two children, two brand-new babies who are exactly the same, which we would not find, but think two as close as possible or imagine that they're two exactly the same. And yet they had two different kinds of parenting, one parent who was kind on the child's side and, as you said, listens to the child, and then the other parent treated this little child um, like the parent was a dictator, and you do this because I said so. Those two children, and I'll bet anything, Rob, you agree with me, those two children will turn out differently. Right? What do you think, Bob? I would tend to think that that they would. What do you say to the people who are listening to what you've said and will say, but wait a minute, there has to be some level of discipline. Somebody's got to be in charge in the household. Right. Okay. To discipline, though, does not mean to hit or to punish. To discipline means to teach. And so the way we want to teach, if we want to help our child be happy with life, be a kind person, and I think that's our goal. If we're all kind to each other, caring about each other, the goal would be we wouldn't have any wars, would we? <laughs> that's really dreaming into the future. But but truly, we want people to be kind. And um so, wait a minute. So, what were you saying? Discipline. You were saying what was your absolute question? The idea oh, that, yeah. that some oh, people... there has to be some discipline, right? Yes, but discipline means teaching. Of course, of course, teaching. Yes. And what else did you say? Well, they say head of the household. Somebody has to be in charge. There's got to be somebody who's head of head of the household. Um, I, absolutely, but that doesn't mean being mean, right? So is there a better way to set an example? Than, than being mean? Mm-hmm. Being, being kind, that's the example, right? In, in everything that the parent is teaching, the parent can be kind, can talk with the child, 
and listen to the child, too. Yes. Am I answering what you bringing up? Yes, I'll, you I'll are. say it again. <laughs> no, yes, you are. That's. I just simply wanted to cover that because I always try to imagine what some people may be um, thinking or, in some cases, may even be shouting back at the radio. Uh, right. Now, they may be saying, well, that child will be spoiled. That's the thing that I that I get sometimes, but less and less, because um, spoiled means ruined, you know? And which child is going to be ruined? The child who uh, the parent ignores or treats like a, a slave, a master-slave relationship? That child will be spoiled? Or the one who... The child, the parent treats with kindness, treats as if the parent be, is on the same side with the child. That's what I think is an easy way to say it. If the parent is on the same side with the child instead of on an opposite side, the parent will know how to act. You know, too often parenting is presented as a problem, and it really can be a pleasure instead of a problem all the time. It's interesting the way that you phrase that of the parent being on the same side so that it's not an us versus mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. Uh, type scenario. It's we or us mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. on the same team, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Because after all, the parent cares about the child. The parent wants the child to be a nice person and to be happy with life. And so why... Not, why be on an opposite side? You have the same goals for the child that the child herself or himself would have. Did I say that to answer you? Yes, you did. Interesting perspective. <laughs> um, I think really that, that, and I think you touched on this, that it's the, the topic of parenting has been made complex. Um, and I, I've said parenting need not be difficult. It can be easy. And it need not be complex. It can be simple. The words of Emily Slingluff. She is our guest in uh, this portion of our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. Back to the phone we go. 877-337-6666 is our number here at uh, WFAN. And let's go to Jerry, who's been holding for a while in Brooklyn. Jerry, thanks for holding on so long. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning, Bob. It's always an education listening to your shows every Sunday. Thank you. Um, I'm just wondering if your guest has any thoughts or has she been following the case of David and Louise Turpin, the California couple accused of holding their 13 children captive and torturing, I believe, all but one of them. I think about where did it start and how did it get to that point with both parents what about the children? What kind of life, uh, how much effect will it have on their, uh, on their lives down the road? Um, I understand that a, a couple of them have turned to music for, um, for therapy, uh, but, but I would just be interested in listening to some of your thoughts if you've been following that case. Thanks, and have a good day. You too. Thank you for your call, and thank you for your kind words, Jerry. Yes. Oh, wow. Isn't that so horrible? Well, obviously, <clears throat> they were both parent. The both of them were are disturbed themselves, unhappy. Nobody would treat people like that if they themselves were happy, right? Um, <clears throat> I think um, I, I like to think that there's always hope. Um, interesting that some of them had turned to music. I hadn't read that, but I do see so many. Dis- Disturbed 
uh, unhappy teenagers, young adults turn to music. It's an interesting thing why that happens. I think they're not comfortable with other people, maybe. But um, anyway, I, I do have hope. I think um, it would be hard for them, to this David and Louise, to apologize. But parents who are listening now and who are thinking, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I could be kind to my child. I didn't even realize that was an option. I thought I had to be firm and mean. That, that parents... Who, who are in that state right now, and this is, I've gotten calls over the years about this, um, those parents cannot give, can, can have hope. Um, it's much easier to work with a brand-new baby and young toddler, but even if the person is older, even a teenager, I think a parent can sit down with the child and talk about it and say, I heard something today on the radio that's made me really think that maybe I should have been different with you because I love you, and, and I thought I was supposed to have those rules set, and if you didn't follow them, I was supposed to punish you. And instead, we can talk about everything. You'll learn that way. You'll probably learn better. And, and let the child talk, too, and, and, and that there's hope that way. So, again, we're getting back to this idea of, and again, it's, it's a very simple concept. You mm-hmm. used the word earlier. Mm-hmm. Communication. Mm-hmm. It's what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And a key part of communication is not just dictating. Try. Right. It's actually listening. That's right. That's what communication means, right? <laughs> um, communication works better than punishment. But I do think a parent can apologize, and 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 there's and there's hope. Um, I don't know about those poor children that have been tortured, but um, I would like to think there's hope. Mm. When you think about parenting and, for lack of a better term, our future, Mm -hmm. as a country, as a society, because unfortunately incidents like what happened in South Florida make us, in a way, kind of question everything. You look to the future. Do you have optimism? Or pessimism? I wish. I wish. I have a question. Um, What I wish is that right this minute every single person in this country would be listening and tell every single person that they know, because if every parent, every let's start with the beginning, every parent-to-be, and every parent and every grandparent and every other person in the world was aware of the importance of being kind to children as the best way to teach, then this would be a different place. I will say the um, the first book I wrote, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but the head of the Associated Press said, if people paid attention to what you wrote, this would be a different place. Um, but it's true. I, I feel that, that you are accepting understanding, and um, I hope, and, and my whole hope for for this show is that some people will realize the cause of the shooting was that the murderer was unhappy with his own life and with therefore the life itself and that we can try to prevent other mass murders by focusing 
on the importance of the formative years, which are called formative because they're formative. And the parent is the main person. The parent can do it. But it's not the parent alone that's key to those formative years. Well, um, I know that book was written, It Takes a Village, but I have (laughs) written, I think I wrote in one book actually about this, I know I did, (laughs) Um, imagine a village that is really supportive of the child, but a parent who is on drugs and who is mean to the child and says to the little boy walking in five minutes late, you are a horrible son, I wish I didn't have you. Mm. And how that little boy would feel. Then we can imagine a fanta- um, a, a terrible village full of uh, crime and unhappiness, but a parent who is extremely loving and who talks to the child and talks about what's going on with the child. Those two children would be very, very different, you know? Yeah, that's quite a quite a scenario for a child to... First of all, witness, and secondly, try to comprehend and make sense of. Well, the um, it makes me think, too, of some people say to me, oh, poverty matters. You know, a, a person um, have to both work, they don't have any time for the children and so forth. Um, well, they shouldn't have children if they don't want to pay attention to them. That, that's very, very clear. But... Um, Poverty, uh, lack of money, is not um, an excuse for poor parenting. I have talked to too many people. One very, very poor woman who became head of a big parenting organization. She originally died, but she spoke and she said, when people think that poor people cannot cherish their children, I resent it. I resent it, she said. She was brought up. With her father, a migrant worker, they moved a lot and lived in a trailer and had to walk a later block to get water sometimes to bring back to their trailer. But she said she had a happy childhood because of her mother being so understanding and kind and talking to her. And I've talked to numerous people. Sometimes it's a mother, sometimes it's a father. But one parent can do it. I think I'm getting to your question, right? Uh, one parent can do it. Yes, it's a shame if the whole village doesn't uh, appreciate the importance of being kind. And uh, right now we have too many unkind people in the world, probably because the parents didn't know any better. Interesting thoughts. And a very interesting one to close our discussion on with Emily Slingluff. Emily is the author of Peace, Parenting Without Punishment, and A Present in the Newborn. Free books. You've been very kind in talking with us this hour of our program. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. Thank you, Bob. I've enjoyed doing it. After our top of the hour update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. He has been warming up. He's entering the studio now, giving me that get out of my seat sign. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.